Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, America at a turning point. Top health officials warn this Labor Day weekend could be the difference between stopping the spread of coronavirus or creating a new spike in infections. Ahead of this holiday weekend, the nation's top infectious disease doctor, Anthony Fauci, says masks and social distancing are vital. And the urgent call from the CDC for states to start planning for vaccine distribution by November 1st. A disastrous start to the school year. One of the nation's largest school districts is hit by cyber attacks as thousands try to log in for remote learning. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is caught on video getting her hair done indoors, violating San Francisco restrictions. Tonight, why she says she was set up. 2020, America decides. As the race tightens, Joe Biden and Donald Trump blame each other for violent protests. With 62 days to go, reports the Department of Homeland Security withheld intelligence of a Russian campaign to undermine Biden. Straight out of the Kremlin's playbook, a top Russian dissident was poisoned with a Soviet-era nerve agent, the same one used against an ex-KGB agent in Britain. Mega deal with Netflix. How much will Prince Harry and Meghan Markle bank with their new job? Up, up, and away. But how did David Blaine get down from almost 25,000 feet? And a daring rope rescue. A firefighter proves why they're called New York's bravest. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us, which is days to go before the holiday weekend. We begin tonight with a warning. Dr. Anthony Fauci today saying how America behaves this Labor Day weekend will determine how the virus spreads this fall and winter. So he's urging Americans to act responsibly to avoid the kind of surges that we saw after Memorial Day and the 4th of July. Now, this comes as we're learning that the CDC is urging health officials to be prepared to deliver vaccines by November 1st. In a letter obtained by CBS News, CDC Director Robert Redfield urging governors to fast-track permits to ensure that vaccine distribution sites are up and ready by then. But are states prepared? One state, Florida, making a lot of news tonight. Schools in Miami-Dade County, the target of brazen cyber attacks. Today, impacting online learning for thousands of students. Well, the FBI is now involved. And look at this image taken in Volusia County, Florida, on the first day of school there this week. Teachers and parents alarmed by the sight of students packed 
together. Now, this is all happening in the midst of a presidential campaign, with Joe Biden today declaring a national emergency, accusing the president of failing to come up with a plan to open schools safely. We are also learning tonight that the Department of Homeland Security withheld an intelligence report warning of a Russian scheme to spread baseless claims and disinformation about Biden's health. Well, there's a lot of news to get to, but we're going to begin tonight with those worries ahead of Labor Day with CBS's Carter Evans in Los Angeles tonight. Good evening, Carter. Nora, beaches here in Los Angeles are expected to be packed over the holiday weekend, and that's increasing concerns over another COVID spike. But there is some good news today from the World Health Organization about the use of steroids as a valuable treatment for COVID-19. Of course, what everyone wants to know is when will a vaccine be available? By the time we get to the end of this calendar year, that we will feel comfortable that we do have a safe and effective vaccine. Dr. Anthony Fauci sounding optimistic, as is the director of the CDC. CBS News obtained a letter from the CDC to the nation's governors asking that they make plans now to distribute potentially hundreds of millions of vaccine doses. The letter sets a target date of November 1st, two days before the presidential election. But the exuberance comes with a warning. I would not be comfortable with a vaccine unless it was shown in a clinical trial clearly to be safe and effective. This as grim news of the first death linked to that massive motorcycle rally last month in Sturgis, South Dakota. Nearly 300 COVID cases in 11 states are also traced back to the rally. Now, coronavirus cases are surging out of control in South Dakota. That sharp rise in just the past two weeks. That same trend also seen in Iowa, where Senator Joni Ernst this week repeated a widely demonked claim that the number of COVID deaths is greatly inflated. Today, in a statement to CBS News, the senator, who is in a tough re-election fight, walked back those comments, saying over 180,000 Americans have died because of COVID-19. Even states where numbers are declining are seeing a disturbing trend. Today, the University of Georgia announcing 821 students and staff tested positive just in the last week. That's nearly a 350% increase over the week before. The university president now pleading with students to keep their distance. In Florida, a photo of an overcrowded hallway at this high school in Volusia County has gone viral. It's a different problem further south in Miami-Dade, where some students and teachers couldn't get online after cyber attacks disrupted the district's remote learning for a third straight day. Yesterday's attacks... Uh, We know uh, some of them came from outside of the country. Next week, schools start in much of the Northeast just after Labor Day, where health officials warn of potential spikes, especially if scenes like this over Memorial Day and July 4th weekend are repeated. Southern California lifeguards are pleading with beachgoers to socially distance. What happens if you're out on the stand, you're all set up, and then more people come and sit up close to you? Just ask them very politely and nicely, you know, can you give me six feet, please? Well, to make matters worse, a massive heat wave is expected to hit Southern California this weekend. That means even more people will head to the coast to cool off. Further north in Santa Cruz, they're already closing beaches for the holiday weekend. And here in L.A. County, officials say they're prepared to close beaches, too, if they get too crowded. Nora? We're all hoping for a safe weekend. Carter Evans, thank you. 
with parents, students and teachers struggling with new COVID outbreaks. Today, Joe Biden accused President Trump of failing to come up with a plan to safely open schools. Biden's criticism comes as both candidates turn their attention to the battleground states that will decide this election. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. President Trump still doesn't have any real plan. Joe Biden tore into the president's response to the pandemic today and following a briefing with school and health officials in Wilmington, Delaware, said federal disaster money is needed to safely reopen schools. President Trump may not think his, this is a national emergency. He's offering nothing but failure and delusions. In another Wilmington, this one in North Carolina, the president again gave the impression the pandemic is nearly over. So I think we're rounding the turn on this China virus. He hammered House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Twitter for getting her hair done inside a San Francisco salon and without a mask, as seen here, violating the city's COVID rules. Pelosi said the salon told her she could be inside. They said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time. I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. In North Carolina, a key battleground state, the president kept his focus on violence in American cities. One day after visiting Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he praised law enforcement, but said little about the Jacob Blake shooting. We stopped those violent mobs very easily. All they have to do is say, please come in, Mr. President. Biden will visit Kenosha tomorrow and plans to meet with the Blake family. He said today the officer who shot Blake should be charged and that he's hoping to help the community heal. I'm not going to tell Kenosha what they have to do, but we have to do together. Wisconsin and its 10 electoral votes are a top target for the Trump and Biden campaigns, and both are buying airtime there. Joe Biden takes a knee. The president claims Biden is soft on law and order. Donald Trump is determined to instill fear in America. While Biden is set to claim Mr. Trump is trying to scare Americans. And Ed O'Keefe joins us now from Wilmington, Delaware. So, Ed, what are we learning about when Biden is expected to start campaigning in earnest? Well, Nora, he's really ramping up. Wisconsin tomorrow, Pennsylvania next week, and North Carolina soon. And the travel comes amid a blockbuster fundraising month. Biden and the Democratic National Committee raised a combined $364.5 million in August, a record sum. I asked Biden today how he plans to spend that money. He said he'll spend most of it responding to what he called the president's lies. Nora. All right, Ed O'Keefe, thank you. Tonight, Joe Biden's campaign is accusing Russia of false and scurrilous attacks on Biden's health and pointing a finger directly at President Trump, who they accuse of keeping secret a U.S. intelligence report that reveals the plot. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. Tonight, DHS is pushing back against claims it buried an intelligence bulletin warning the Russians were targeting Joe Biden. The July document said there was a Russian scheme to promote allegations about the poor mental health of Biden, of which there is no proof. But it was never sent. In an email obtained by ABC News, acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf's chief of staff writes, Please hold on sending this one until you have a chance to speak to Wolf. Tonight, Wolf said the document didn't meet his standards. The report that you reference uh, was, at the end of the day, a very poorly written report. But the Democrats are concerned the Trump administration is blocking the flow of key intelligence on election interference to benefit the president. The Russians don't want me to be the nominee. The bulletin reportedly cites a March story from state-sponsored Russia Today pushing unfounded claims about Biden's verbal miscues. 
The president's attacks on the Democratic candidate echo those of the Russians. As you know, uh, Joe Biden, he doesn't have a clue. As do their campaign commercials. Joe Biden is slipping. The Russians have been spreading misinformation on Facebook since the last election. And yesterday, a fake news site created by a Kremlin-backed group discovered by the FBI had several of its pages taken down. That intelligence bulletin also identified China and Iran's efforts to criticize President Trump. Late today, the Attorney General William Barr, he claimed that the Chinese were the most aggressive heading into the November election, but cyber experts tell us that the Russians remain the main culprit. Nora. I think we're going to be covering a lot more of this. Jeff Begays, thank you. The potential for unrest around the election is a concern for Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. In an exclusive interview with CBS This Morning co-anchor Gail King, Zuckerberg warns what could happen if one candidate declares victory prematurely. We're going to take this seriously and make sure that that people aren't um, declaring victory and, and saying that any kind of ongoing counting of votes is um, is evidence of, of a rigged election or anything like that. Um, I, I think that that would be dangerous. I think it would be kind of delegitimizing of the election. Um, and I think it could risk um, increasing you know, people getting into the streets and civil unrest after the election, which I think would be very problematic. There's more of Gail's exclusive interview with Mark Zuckerberg tomorrow on CBS This Morning, including new steps Facebook is taking to prepare for the election. Tonight, there is growing proof that Vladimir Putin and his government were involved in a different kind of attack. Test results show Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was poisoned by a military-grade nerve agent, the same one used in an earlier attack on one of Putin's enemies. Here's CBS's Charlie Daggett. If the poisoning of Alexei Navalny intended to make a statement, Novichok comes right out of the Kremlin playbook. German scientists cited unequivocal evidence of a chemical nerve agent, Novichok, a Soviet-era poison that cripples the nervous system, causing respiratory failure within days. Chancellor Angela Merkel called it a case of attempted murder that raises very serious questions that only the Russian government can and must answer. One of Russian President Vladimir Putin's fiercest critics, Navalny was airlifted to Berlin, having suddenly fallen ill not long after drinking a cup of tea at the airport before a flight from Siberia to Moscow last month. He remains on life support tonight, and doctors say it's too soon to know what long-term damage has been done. Novichok is the same military-grade nerve agent used to poison former Soviet spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia in Salisbury, England, in 2018. The Navalny poisoning comes amid a crackdown on Kremlin critics, including the beating of prominent Russian activist Yegor Zhukov earlier this week. The Kremlin has denied any involvement, Nora. And tonight, the Russian foreign ministry said the allegations are not backed up by evidence. And they're demanding a full toxicology report from Germany. Charlie Daggett, thank you. We're going to turn now to a growing crisis in America that is only getting worse during the COVID pandemic. And that is food insecurity. It's estimated that more than 54 million people may struggle to find food this year, including 18 million children. Tonight, CBS's Jim Axelrod tells us about a program in Newark, New Jersey, that is serving up hope. In Newark, New Jersey, Walter Green is whipping up 320 orders of pasta and meat sauce with a side of veggies. 
Not a bad day for a restaurant owner in the middle of a pandemic. I didn't think my restaurant was going to survive. It wasn't just his restaurant threatened by COVID. Walter spent nearly two weeks in the hospital fighting it himself. There we go, right on the table. Help came from a program designed to save struggling restaurants. North working kitchens, if that program didn't exist, would you be here cooking today? No, I wouldn't be here right now, honestly. Nork Working Kitchens pays 25 restaurants here to keep their doors open, stoves on, and employees paid cooking for those who need food most. Thank you. It's one of those win-win-wins that um, is really worthy. Don Katz is the founder and chairman of Audible, the audiobook company headquartered in Nork that has spearheaded fundraising for the program, kicking in seven figures itself. It's only since April. Um, and 400,000 meals and, uh, and 25 restaurants and 10,000 residents needing food getting touched by it. There you go, my dear. <laughs> it's a humbling experience. Celebrity chef Marcus Samuelson owns a restaurant in Newark. He says this program should be scaled nationwide. You need private, public, and small businesses to work together. It's just the right thing to do. That makes perfect sense to Walter Green. So many people who aren't able to work and now they're able to get a high meal and everybody to keep them going so it keeps them with some type of faith uh, that they can make it through this a recipe to cook up what we could all use right now faith and hope jim axelrod cbs news north love to hear that they have figured that out Hollywood's newest power couple has signed a multi-year deal to produce documentaries, films, TV shows, and children's programs for Netflix. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle say they want to create content that informs but also gives hope. Netflix would not say how much they're being paid, but the New York Times reports Harry and Meghan were looking for a deal in the neighborhood of $100 million. The sky was no limit for daredevil David Blaine today, harnessing himself to 52 helium-filled balloons the famed illusionist lifted off in the Arizona desert. Using special breathing techniques in the thinning air and one degree cold, he reached almost 25,000 feet, then let go, (gasps) parachuting to the ground. Once back earthbound, Blaine called his trip beautiful from top to bottom. It played out like a scene from a movie, a woman trying to escape her burning apartment and a firefighter attempting a rare and dangerous rescue as a crowd formed below. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. Dangling 16 stories over a Harlem sidewalk, Brian Quinn may look like a Hollywood stuntman, but this is no act. The New York City firefighter is actively trying to save a woman trapped on a ledge outside her burning apartment. She was very frantic. She was screaming. She she was going to die. As you're dangling from the rope, what are you feeling? Her incredible grip. She did not want to let go. It's the first time in years the department has resorted to a dangerous so-called rope rescue. Yeah, I was scared. When you're up that high, it's, it's scary. And this one played out perfectly in a display of absolute bravery on the part of firefighters and the woman they saved. Any other guy here would have done the exact same thing. It's just our job. It's what we do. Humility from someone who very well may be the newest poster child for New York's bravest. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. And get this, Quinn said they had been practicing the roof rope rescue no more than two hours before that fire broke out. 
This is a special date in CBS News history. 57 years ago tonight, the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite doubled in length from 15 to 30 minutes, the first network newscast to do so. Cronkite broke some news that night. In a one-on-one interview, President John F. Kennedy said the Vietnam War would be won or lost by the Vietnamese, not the U.S. military. We here at CBS News promise to uphold the high standards set by Cronkite and his co-workers and to produce the best and most trusted journalism in network news. And to borrow Walter's words, that's the way it is. Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.